Chapter 25. Mr. Phelps, you and your family live on the other side of the Crooked River, am I right? Augustus Root said, beginning his questions with a too wide smile. The witness bobbed his head in a way that reminded me of eggs in a kettle of boiling water and gave him a polite, yes, sir. And you have lived there for about five years. The witness nodded again. Got 10 acres in corn, he said. And you found the dead trapper, correct? Yes, sir, the witness said, sitting up straighter. Me and my son, Asa, Dunn, found that dead trapper one morning at the edge of one of our cornfields. What morning was it? Mr. Phelps rolled his eyes upward. Now let's see if I can recollect. It was somewhere long about the end of March, a Tuesday morning, I believe, because yes, he looked at someone in the crowd. That's right. My wife was washing clothes and she mostly does her washing on Tuesdays. Could you describe what you and your son saw? Well, now, Mr. Phelps scratched his head and eyed the crowded room nervously. Judge, I don't want to frighten all them women and children sitting out there. It weren't a pretty sight what I saw. The judge sighed. The observers will bear that in mind. Continue on. Well, the body was lying face down in the snow, the witness said slowly. The tomahawk was stuck there in its head. Just like, you know and the man paused and blinked at the crowd. Well, I'm real sorry for describing this, but well, it had cleaved off part of the scalp, he said, and from what we could see, it done tore out a narrow piece of the poor man's skull. I could hear a dozen or more, Lord have mercies, echo through the cabin. One woman slipped out the door, holding a handkerchief to her mouth. Laura reached over and squeezed my hand. You wanna go on outside, she whispered. I shook my head no even though I did. The man paused and spoke louder, as if he was trying to stir things up. There was a river of dried blood all down the man's back, and it had even pooled up in the snow. Me and my son nearly keeled over sick at the sight, didn't we, Asa? And the witness bobbed his head at his son, who seemed to be sitting in the middle of the crowd. Did you know who the murderer was, Mr. Root asked? Yes, sir, I did right away. The man's head bobbed up and down again. How'd you know that? Tomahawk. Once I saw that tomahawk, I knowed. The lawyer folded his arms and smiled at the jury. And who did that tomahawk belong to? Mr. Phelps turned and pointed to Indian John. That Indian right over there. He always wore it stuck in a red sash around his waist. I seen it a hundred times if I'd seen it once. I shook my head. Deciding who was telling the truth was like chasing a will-o'-wisp. August Root continued. Anything else that you saw? Well, the witness squinted. We seen tracks in the snow all around the body. Lots of tracks, like it weren't just one Indian who had set upon him with the tomahawk. Who did the tracks belong to? Did you know? The witness leaned back. Yes, I did, he said slowly. If it weren't no trick to figure out how, whose tracks they was, there was three sets, two full, full grown and one young. Since we know that the tomahawk belonged to him, Mr. Phelps gestured toward Indian John again, and since we knowed he always traveled with the other two Indians, then we knowed exactly whose tracks they was. Weren't no trick to figure out Indian John was the one who killed the trapper. 
Mr. Phelps took a deep gulp of air and wiped his ragged sleeve across his face when he finished. No more questions, Augustus Root grinned and puffed out his chest. Full-headed old rooster. Mr. Kelly, the judge said, any questions? Just two, Peter Kelly answered, and he walked toward the witness who shifted uncomfortably in his chair. How deep was the snow, he asked. Mr. Phelps blinked. Snow? You said there was snow, Mr. Kelly repeated slowly as if the witness was half-witted. How deep was it? Well, now, I don't recollect things like that, Mr. Phelps stammered. That was about three months ago. It was winter. We always got snow. Maybe it was six or eight inches deep. Maybe ten. Don't see what the snow's got to do with anything. Truth to speak, I couldn't see why Mr. Peter Kelly was asking about the snow either. Who could remember how deep the snow was on a particular day in March? And what did it matter? You said you saw tracks in the snow, Mr. Kelly continued. Could you describe them for us, Mr. Phelps? The witness grinned wildly. I think most folks around here have seen moccasin tracks before, ain't they? Just a picture of a bunch of Indian tracks traipsed around in the snow. But I'm not sure I know what they look like, Mr. Kelly persisted, and he frowned at the witness as if he was awful confused. Could you describe what you saw for me? And suddenly, in a flash, I knew why he was being so curious about tracks and snow. Snowshoes. I cast a sideways look at Laura, and she gave me a half smile before turning away. You daft or what? The witness said, shaking his head and saying the crowd chuckling. He moved his hands in the air. It's just a soft footprint, like a foot, only without toes. Like a footprint without toes. And he smirked at Mr. Kelly. Anything else about Indians you want to know, Mr. Lawyer? Just one more thing, Mr. Kelly said, rubbing the end of his nose. Were you wearing your boots that morning you found the trapper? Do you recall? Well, we weren't tiptoeing around barefoot, I can tell you that, Mr. Phelps rolled his eyes at the crowd, and the crowd snickered. So if you were wearing boots, Mr. Kelly paused as if he was putting all of the pieces together. Why were the Indians wearing moccasins in the snow? What? I was just wondering why you saw moccasin prints, Mr. Phelps. Don't you think that the Indians would have been wearing snowshoes like this one? And Mr. Kelly reached for something below his chair and then held up the exact snowshoe me and Laura had seen before. A strange silence fell over the room. Don't Indians wear snowshoes in the winter months, he kept on? The air in the cabin was heavy and still, and you could tell folks were listening, even though they didn't like what they were hearing one bit. I figure most of the men must have known that Peter Kelly was right, that there should have been snowshoe prints, not moccasin ones in the snow. I don't know, Mr. Phelps stuttered and stumbled. A red flush crept up his neck as if he was being slowly boiled inside. I ain't sure, perhaps. I think maybe they was snowshoes. Yes, I reckon they were. But you said you saw moccasin prints, didn't you? A footprint without toes, Mr. Kelly repeated. That's what you said, the witness squirmed. Now that I think, I'm sure they was snowshoes. And Mr. Kelly moved toward the witness chair. Why don't you tell the jury the truth? The lawyer's voice was low and angry. My heart pounded, fearing what would happen next. Tell them that you saw one set of snowshoes in the snow, Mr. Phelps. Mr. Kelly's voice rose. One set of prints, not a whole band of Indians, one Indian. 
I told you everything I know, the witness hollered, and the judge hammered his gravel sharply on the table. You've had your try with this witness, Mr. Kelly. Return to your seat and leave well enough alone. As Mr. Phelps got up, he shouted at the room, me and my family don't have nothing against Indians as long as they stay in their place. And no matter what that Indian lawyer says, we done told you the gospel truth. A lot of folks in the crowd clapped as the witness made his crooked, half-limping walk back to his seat. But I don't know why they clapped for him when they must have known, sure as I did, that he was outright lying. That he hadn't seen moccasin tracks and maybe he hadn't seen any real tracks at all. Not a soul clapped for Peter Kelly sitting down and it seemed to me he was the only one who was trying to find out the truth. Up in front, Augustus Root called out in an easy voice. Your Honor, my last witness is a trapper who was friends with the murdered man. He's sitting outside waiting if you'd like me to fetch him. Bring him in, the judge nodded. But when the last witness walked into the cabin, dripping water from his hat, I know that my whole face must have turned as white as a cake of salt. It was that same wretched vulgar trapper who had once come to our door. <laughs>